0: Hi there. Welcome to the Matthias J. podcast. My name is Matthias. I'm a psychotherapist from Spokane, Washington, and this is a podcast about mental health and moving towards what's meaningful despite hardship. Today we're talking about marital conflict, and I have to say this is probably one of my favorite, like, of the podcast episodes that I've done because these ideas are so intensely powerful and helpful. Like, Not just for my clinical practice and with my clients, but I've just watched these transform my own marriage to be honest with you These ideas, you know from the Gottman's in particular Have been some of the most powerful psychological ideas I've come across and What the Gottman's did was they in their lab They really narrowed down on four things that they've seen to really disrupt and antagonize and distract people From having really productive conversation within conflict and then what the replacements could be things that they saw were really efficacious and led to meaningful conversation between not just couples but just people generally. And so this is this is really powerful stuff. I uh, I, I can't speak highly enough of it. Um, I, I've gotten to do a few events with the Gottman Institute, and we've get, gotten to partner in a few things. And I really just appreciate their work and feel lucky to have run across their research. So that's that's what this episode is: is me recapitulating some of their ideas. Um, If you find that this is a really, you know, kind of helpful sequence of ideas if you want to kind of take a next step after this I actually have a couples workshop on my site where I break down conflict And then I also go a little bit further outside of just the Gottman method into things around the big five personality model and being able to Not just resolve conflict but resolve conflict keeping your partner's unique personality in mind And then also knowing kind of the blind spots within your own personality to be able to have a bit more of an accurate um, I don't know, method for assessing and then diagnosing and even troubleshooting the various arguments and negotiations that you have with your partner. So, um, matthiasjbarker.com if that sounds interesting to you, but I hope you enjoy the episode. I don't know what kind of relationship you're in. I don't know the particulars of what you're struggling with, um, but I know conflict. I know what styles of conflict lead to flourishing and closeness, which styles lead to feeling far away. And, uh, you know, maybe you don't have tons of conflict. Maybe you don't have a lot of emotional intimacy either. You guys don't have big fights, but you also don't really feel seen or attended to or deeply, closely intimate. Um, Maybe one of you, you know, wants to engage in conflict, but the other person just kind of shuts down whenever conflict happens right? Like, uh, they just have this blank expression on their face and they're just looking at you or, or they leave the room. They they can't be near anything contentious or frustrating. And that's really frustrating for you because it's like, how are we going to problem solve? How are we going to get to the bottom of this? If you won't just tell me what you're feeling, you won't just tell me what you're thinking. And you're trying to persuade them. You're trying to kind of like drag them out of this shell that they've kind of retreated into. But the more you try, the more resolute they get. And it just feels honestly like they just don't care. Or maybe it's the other way around, maybe uh, you have a partner that's really high in intensity and they get really intense and maybe they start yelling or maybe they start hurling insults or, or maybe, it, maybe it's not that intense. Maybe it's just that when they get really flustered, then their emotions kind of overtake them and then it just feels like they get overrided and hurt. And then you feel guilty because it's like, I didn't want to hurt you, I was just trying to have a conversation and then you got really emotional about it. and. And then you're there trying to like sort through the emotions and trying to figure out what happened and you're not even talking about the original thing anymore. It's like your emotions, your feelings about this issue or the thing you wanted to talk about gets totally swept under the rug. Because now we're talking about how you hurt the other person. And that's really frustrating. Maybe, um, you feel really disrespected and unappreciated by your partner. Like, uh, you wonder if they respect you because... They always have a complaint. They always have something. Even when you're trying your hardest, even when you're trying to live by their expectations, they always have a way that you're not good enough. And they always have a way of uh, making you feel small and low. And you're getting tired of it. Maybe it's the other way around where, hey, if you're being honest, you don't really respect your partner. They're lazy. They're selfish. They, uh, They're only thinking of themselves. They don't try hard. Um, maybe they say they're gonna do something or they they concede that you're right, but then no actual change happens They just drag their feet on everything And you're wondering, do I want to be in this relationship at all? Lot of different ways that conflict can manifest um, You know, maybe you're doing great. Maybe maybe these scenarios don't describe you You're just here to brush up on some communication skills, and that's fine, too. That's great What I want to do is I want to talk about the four dynamics that make conflict really terrible <laughs> and that make conflict uh, almost certain to fail. It, it's, it's the things that when you have them in high proportion or uh, maybe just in, in high quantity, that's a better way of saying it, that they, they erode and distract and just, un, you know, they tangle up the thing that you're trying to solve. So I wanna talk about those four things, the four dynamics that make things worse, and then the four things that could replace that and make things better. And this is based off the Gottman method. These are called the four horsemen in the psychological literature. What what they've done is they spent decades of time, John and Julie Gottman, researching and and observing couples and tens of thousands of couples coming through their lab. And what they did is they kind of compiled four dynamics that they saw to really distract people from problem solving and got people tangled up in conflict and uh, made people feel far away from each other um, eroded trust, and oftentimes not even because of the content of the argument, just because of the style by which they were trying to reach out to each other. So I want to talk about those four things, and and their replacements. So the first one would be criticism. Criticism could be broken down into two parts. So the first part of criticism would be like a negative appraisal, and nothing's wrong with something being negative, like not everything in the world is positive. But the second part is blame, and blame's the thing that becomes distracting um, it changes the topic of conversation. So for example, like if, uh, let's say, so it's my job to clean out the litter box at our house and our litter box is in the laundry room, which is just kind of off the kitchen. It's a room kind of attached. And so let's say, uh, my wife Paige is cooking dinner and I I come home from work and and then she's like, Hey, you forgot to clean out the litter box again. I can smell the crap from the other room. Like, why do you always forget this stuff? Do you just not even care? And you know, so that's, that's a really harsh criticism that she's lobbed at me, right? Can you hear the blame in there? You forgot, this was your job. Why can't you just remember? It's like there's all these layers to criticism and blame that for me, it's it makes it really hard to respond in any other way but defensiveness. And that's the second dynamic. So defensiveness could be defined as um as trying to get the blame off of me and either onto something else or onto the other person. So maybe I could say, Well, hey, you know, I was working late and you know I had to do a bunch of stuff and I didn't have time, you know, so that's, that's getting the blame off of me and onto my obligations at work or whatever. Or I could be like, well, maybe you're just smelling the dirty dishes that you forgot to do. (laughs) And that's getting the blame onto the other person. So notice that we're not talking about the litter box anymore. We're talking about who's more to blame. We're talking about where to put that accusation of you forgot, it was your job, you didn't clean out the litter box. We're not talking about actually cleaning out the litter box and that's what makes blame so unproductive is it distracts from actually problem solving. And it's not even that the blame isn't well founded, like maybe, maybe I did forget, maybe I was supposed to clean out the litter box, like she's totally right. But the way that she's presenting that um, inspires defensiveness in me. So the other way to kind of frame that to say the exact same thing but just to say it in a little bit of a different way would be to take the blame and the accusation out of there and to do two things. So talk about how you feel and then um, also have a positively stated need. So positively as opposed to negatively would be here's what I want you to do instead of here's what I not want you to do. Um, and, And I'll explain that in a second. So let's say Paige you know comes to me, and she's like, "Hey, I can smell the litter box when I'm trying to cook dinner. It's really distracting because I don't like smelling poop when I'm trying to when I'm trying to make food. Would you please go clean out the litter box? That's a totally different scenario than it's your fault you forgot. And notice that that actually inspires me to kind of draw near and hear her request. and then the opposite of defensiveness would be to take responsibility. And so if there was an exchange she was saying, hey, I'm really distracted because I can smell poop and trying to cook dinner. Would you clean out the litter box? And then I come forward and say, you know what? I forgot to do that yesterday. Let me go clean that up." That's actually a place of bonding. That's actually a trust building exercise. What could have been a conflict, something that felt like it kind of tears us apart, was actually something that bonded us together because she feels relieved when I take responsibility and, and take the blame when she didn't have to lob the blame at me. That's that's an important distinction to key in on. Hmm. So the positively stated need. The reason that's important is because when you make a negatively stated need, it's almost always blame. So when you say, hey, can you not forget next time, it implies that I forgot. And that could be true, but that's still a criticism. Um, when you say, hey, can you not be a jerk, you're implying that someone's a jerk um, or acting like a jerk. And so you want a positively stated need. You want to talk about what you want to see, not what you don't want to see, because That's, that's a way to kind of extract the criticism out of the statement. You know, and if you notice that, like, let's say you're, you're watching this video right now and you're like, Oh, okay, I'll try that when I get home. And you go to your partner and you, and you really try to not use the criticism, but you notice that you're still kind of just getting into this argument, just kind of same as always. Um, it's good to notice and realize that there's patterns of behavior that happen with couples. And when you've sunken into a pattern of criticism and defensiveness, it's, it's not obvious that the partner is gonna be able to just understand and maybe key into a whole different rhythm of interacting just because of one little switch in a conversation. So you can expect that, okay, I'm gonna try to not use criticism, and then they'll jump to defensiveness anyway. And that's not because the skill doesn't work and, oh, like, oh, we just uh, are a lost cause. That's, that's not the case. It's, um, it's gonna take some time. So here's maybe a response that you can use. So let's say, um, you're going to your partner, you have a complaint and that's fine. You can complain, just complain without criticism. And then you state a positively stated need, but then they get defensive. They try to get the blame off of themselves and onto something else or onto you. You can just respond and say, babe, I'm not trying to criticize you. I'm not trying to blame you. I'm just trying to tell you about what I need. I'm telling you about what I'm experiencing. I'm actually trying to draw near to you. That's something that can really diffuse a lot of that tension in the moment when you're first starting to use these skills and try them out. What you might notice though is that it it could still kind of fall into a place where the other person responds defensively. And this is kind of getting into the third category. The third dynamic is contempt. And what contempt is, is I've made the decision that you're guilty until proven innocent. Like there's been a pattern of behavior that I've just witnessed over a series of years or time or whatever that has convinced me that you're always going to be like that, that I can't trust you, that you're not dependable, Um, that you're just annoying, that you're just irritable. Whatever fills in that blank for you, that you've made a decision that that person is just blank. Um, It kind of uploads the events of the past and brings them into the present before it gets there. So, an example might be uh, let's say I'm coming home late from work, and a common occurrence recently has been that after I get off work, like I'll jump on TikTok and just kind of look through some videos after I'm done with my notes before coming home. And, and TikTok is one of those things that drags you in for like 40 minutes and you don't even realize. Like, <laughs> you just wake up, it's been, is it really been an hour of me looking at this? Gosh. And so, you know, maybe um, Paige is trying to get a hold of me, but I put my phone on do not disturb throughout the day because I'm in session with clients and I don't want. Um, you know, get phone calls during that time. So those calls aren't coming through. Paige is sitting there. Maybe she's made dinner and she's waiting for me and it's getting cold. And he's like, you know what? He's probably on TikTok again. He's probably just sitting there on his phone and he has his phone on silence. And so I can't contact him. And, and then there's a series of thoughts that could follow that. She could think he doesn't care about me at all. He doesn't care about this effort that I put into making this meal. He would rather sit there on his phone than be with me. He doesn't care about me at all. You know, so th- there's all these thoughts, there's all these guesses, these hypotheses about why I'm late and then and then me being late with the implications that means for our relationship. But here's the reality. She doesn't know why I'm late. She doesn't have any evidence yet. So let's say I come home and I walk in the door and she could just like come right at me and just be like, I knew you'd be late. You were on TikTok again, weren't you? Like, you know, she could go really intensely, but notice that I don't know. That would respond. That would um, actually create contempt in me too. I would be like, Gosh, I don't want to come home to someone who's just gonna rag on me and blame me for stuff before she even knows if I was like, because maybe I got a flat tire. Maybe I got pulled over. Maybe I was, you know, I was late for a good reason. But she just assumes that it was because of TikTok. I'm like, gosh, this is why I'm on TikTok in the first place. So I don't have to come home to a wife that's yelling at me. Can you see how that just completely like spins down the drain? Uh, That's a uh, style of conflict that leads nowhere good. So here's what you want to do. You want to wait until you have the evidence to get angry. It's okay to get angry (laughs) once you have the evidence, but uh, talk about... So again, you can use kind of this gentle startup. That's the opposite of criticism, you know? So using that, talking about how you feel and then stating a positively stated need. Okay? So you can use that, but wait for the evidence before you use that skill. So uh, I walk in the door. And then she could say something like, hi, I'm, I'm glad you're home. I made this whole meal and it's cold now. And I'm super disappointed. I'm, I'm really sad that you were late because I wanted to share this meal with you. What happened? And then I can say, oh yeah, I got pulled over. And, and my phone was on silence, that's, that's my bad. So I'm taking responsibility in that situation. Like, that's my bad, my phone was on silence, I should have turned it back on. I should have told you that I was gonna be late because I got pulled over, I'm so sorry. And then notice we're not in a conflict. We're just, and then she could be like, oh, that sucks. You got pulled over. Okay, well, let's reheat the food. And then something that could have turned into that awful argument that I just described, actually, we just kind of continue on with our night. It's because she waited for the evidence. Now, even if, uh, let's say that I was on TikTok, I come in the door and then she was like, hey, I'm, I'm really disappointed Like that you were late, um, you know, what was going on. And then I could say, oh yeah, I was just, I'm sorry, I was on TikTok and, and this, that, and the other thing. Then she could say how that makes her feel, right? So without criticism, it's like, man, I really don't feel appreciated. And I don't feel seen and I don't feel loved when I make a big meal and then you're late because you're on TikTok. I'm, I'm grieved by that. I need you to be home when you say that you're going to be home so that I know when to make you a meal and know when to expect you. Because predicting this is really um, causing distress in me. I feel frustrated. So notice, you can express that anger, that, that intense sadness without criticism, without blame. And then the thing that I should do in that moment is be like, wow, you're right. Um, you, put all, you put in all this work for me and, and I was on TikTok and that was irresponsible of me. I'm really sorry. And that's an exchange where notice we're not even in a conflict at that point. It's just a, it's expressing emotion, expressing how we feel, express a positively stated need. So the negative stated need was be like, don't forget next time. Don't be on your phone next time. It's, it's, um, hey, I just, I want you to be home when you say you're going to be home and what you'll find is that that's that's a rhythm that you'll get into that can really avoid that contempt from sinking in that that uh okay I've seen a pattern from the past and I'm just going to lay it on you before it even gets there because contempt has been the thing that's been shown to really erode relationships the quickest it's the it's the quickest path to divorce is <laughs> to sink into contempt and it can get really intense really quickly where it's not just oh he's probably going to be late it's you don't care about me at all um, yeah you're just a nag you're mean and you just sink into these decisions that are informed by patterns of the past but then you place it on them before you have evidence in the moment and and then you're in a relationship with uh, with this reduction this this simplistic version of this person and yeah, it's like two people interacting with a false reality in the other person. It's it's a mess. So if, uh, if you feel like you want a, a couple more things in your pocket for contempt, um, something that helps really unwind and kind of confront the contempt that's in a relationship, in addition to having that gentle startup, that response of, here's what I feel, here's a positively stated need, is uh, like, I assign this homework to couples all the time. Most couples hate it when I assign it. And then when they lean into it, they find that it really creates a lot of goodwill. And that's, have five times a day when you express something appreciative towards the other person, um, say thank you for something. And then, and say thank you in a way that actually ties it to their character. So it's not just thanks for taking, you know, thanks for doing the dishes. It's thanks for doing the dishes. That was really helpful. That was really thoughtful of you. Thanks for scraping off my car in the morning. That was really thoughtful. Um, and then actually go out of your way to try to serve and be kind and offer gestures of affection to your partner. And that feels like the most backwards thing in the world. It's like, no, you don't understand. Like, I don't feel appreciated by them. I don't feel, <laughs> I don't feel served and, and thought of by them. But if both people are creating a rule that I'm only going to offer these gestures of affection, I'm only going to offer appreciation once I get it from the other person, you're at a stalemate. So someone needs to break that stalemate and not because the other person deserves it. Um, because you guys are lost in a sea of contempt. You, you can't see if they deserve it or not. You're uploading the past into the present before it gets there. Your, your, uh, your metrics are off. your your vision is obscured and the way to kind of let the fog clear is to actually start infusing some positivity into your relationship and again that feels like the most backwards i'm sure you're you're looking at this video and you're thinking Matthias, if i could only explain to you what happened you wouldn't give me that advice but i'm telling you i give it to nearly everybody (laughs) um and i've watched it for the people that take that skill and really use it it has some really positive outcomes If if they really take it to heart and decide and take that personal ownership, right? They're not just trying to appease the other person, not doing it because I'm telling them to, like they're just following a rule. They're, they're really leaning into it. It has positive outcomes. Um, There's a fourth dynamic. Fourth dynamic is stonewalling. Stonewalling can be uh, described as um, when you're in an argument and you get really flustered and intense and one person shuts down. Um, It usually looks like they don't care too. So they just a blank expression on the face. They're just staring at you They're not talking or they leave the room. They just can't be in the conflict at all. They just shut the whole thing down That's called stonewalling and and uh, you could Kind of, there's an analogy I like to use for it. It's usually in tandem with someone being really intense. So let's say, one person's intense and they're kind of like, How could you do this? I can't believe you do this. Like, let's figure this out. Let's put all the data on the table. Let's problem solve. Let's figure this out. And the other person feels totally overwhelmed by this. And the other person's thinking, wow, this person's really angry. This person is really intense. It's kind of like a storm. I gotta wait for this storm to blow over. Right, and and it's out of fear. So so that quietness, that shut shutting down, isn't out of spite. It's not out of indifference. It's not because they don't care. It's because they don't want to make things worse. And the high intensity person in the relationship rarely believes that. The first time I tell them, they're like, No, no, no. He's he's doing this to manipulate me. He's doing this to spite me. And I'm like, No. He's terrified. He doesn't wanna make it worse. He doesn't know how to solve the problem. He doesn't know how to explain his emotions. And, and, I, and it's important to realize this because when you're in that high intensity mode, you go into fight or flight and people have different responses. So maybe you're a fight person. When you get high in intensity, your heart's racing, you're sweating, like you're trying to figure something out. You You leap into action and you get focused and you're trying to figure stuff out. There's another response biologically called flight. And that means that they just retreat mentally from the conversation and they just freeze and they can't engage. And that's an important thing to notice. Like usually they, they look still, right? They're just sitting there like this, but their heart rate is going over hundred beats per minute. Like they, they are, they are activated and they're just trying, they're, they're thinking, they're burning calories like you wouldn't believe because they're focusing on how do I not make this worse? Uh, just don't say anything. Cause if you'll say something, you'll make it worse. And uh, you need to calm down before you're going to get back to any sort of productive conversation. That's the that's the antidote. That's the opposite of stonewalling is taking a break Take 20 minutes to go calm down do some deep breathing exercises some muscle relaxation do a go on a walk um, Do some exercise like just calm down your nervous system calm down your body Because you're, you're too activated because here's the problem when you when you have that activation when you're like, you know, you're um, amygdala is just like firing on all cylinders. Your prefrontal cortex is totally shut down and your prefrontal cortex, this is the part of you that is able to problem solve and rationalize and explain your emotions and uh, think through things logically and sequentially. Like this whole section of your brain, it, it actually, you could think of it like different tabs. Like if you have different tabs open on a computer, it just slows down and locks up because there's so many different things happening. There's so much intensity in the room that it's lagging behind. And, and it's really hard to activate. So what you need to do is you need to close down some of these tabs, the tabs that are like, ah, I'm being attacked. You need to close those down so that this tab can load and actually do what it's supposed to do. It's funny how our brains um, run into fight or flight and all those complex functions like critical thinking slow down in um, response. Hmm. So uh, take a break. And a lot of people don't wanna take a break because they're worried like, oh, they're just going to, we're just not gonna bring it back up again. You know, we're just gonna, we're just never gonna get back to this fight. And that's thats an important objection. So what you need to do is have an agreed upon system for, okay, here's how we re-engage in the conversation. We're gonna take 20 minutes and then we're actually gonna come back. We're gonna just go to bed tonight, but then we're gonna talk about it tomorrow night. Like there has to be um, a date or a time that we're gonna reconvene and have a conversation about how this is gonna go. So that's an important piece and having some grace and some understanding that this person isn't trying to just shut you down. This person is trying to make sure things aren't worse. You guys want the same thing. You guys both want to actually get to the end of this fight and not just be on other sides of the planet. You actually want to be close. It's two different strategies of trying to get there that look antithetical to each other. So, stonewalling. Criticism, defensiveness, contempt, stonewalling. The opposites of those are the gentle startup that's talking about how you feel with a positively stated need. Um, The second one is taking responsibility. The third is is a gentle startup, but waiting for the evidence and then using a gentle startup. And then the fourth one is taking a break. So if you're taking notes, put those down and know that this is um, a skill set that takes practice. This isn't something that changes things overnight. So those are the four dynamics, the four things in conflict that are helpful to understand. These are four helpful things too, by the way, to use with your kids to use with your employees, to use with your boss, these are just how human beings interact with conflict. They're they're really, you know, salient to a marriage relationship because those are the relationships where we get in the most intense conflicts because, you know, we're merging our lives together. But, yeah, but these are insights that can be applied to all sorts of things. You can check out the Couples Workshop at MatthiasJBarker.com